welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Hello and welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Today I'm excited. I have Jennifer Baker on with me today. And we do have like, there's not three of us. She's not a multiple personality and neither am I that we know of. But we're trying to make sure that the audio and the video work together. So... That's why the screen looks a little different. Jennifer, how are you doing today? I am great, thank you. And hello to everybody, thanks for having me on today. I'm really excited to get down to the naked truth and, and have some fun with you. So I'm a huge fan, been watching your stuff, I'm really excited. I'm excited too, and part of why I'm excited is because I'm going in blind. So we didn't oh, have a, yes. yes, we didn't have a chance to pregame this one. So I don't have very much information, except that I know you're a political consultant. You do political consulting. So tell me, tell our audience what you told me when you said that, because it was great. <laughs> well, I, I do business and political consulting. So my political consulting is based on protecting small businesses, medium-sized businesses, and their families that are attached to those businesses. So y'all don't, don't burn me at the stake. But um but what I said was, it's just like when you go to a party and you say, hi, I'm an insurance salesman. It's, it's about the same equivalent where somebody really just kind of talks and runs away from you or the other one wants to get in your face and have a conversation. And, and so it's really not well received when you're out in public. I'm so sorry. Tell us more about <laughs> what you do and who you are. It's a are. great turnoff. It makes people just turn and run or, or really just have at it. So, so yeah, if you want to um, avoid conversation with somebody, you just say, hi. Right. It's a great excuse. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They'll I mean, say, oh, so what do you do? And I go, oh, I'm a business and political consultant. How about you? <laughs> Instantly, they don't, they, they're afraid. See, where I was like, really? What does that look like for you? So tell me, what does it look like for yeah. you? In, in short, um, I'm here to champion for small businesses and their families and uh, make sure that the world climate and economic situations stay positive for our small business owners that are trying to make things work every day and trying to raise their kids at the same time. Um, it is a huge passion of mine. It started from, you know, some, some adverse moments in my life. And it, it really just looks like a daily, um, a daily fight. Every day there's a new conversation. Every day somebody new has to be um, made aware of some of the laws that come through, both nationally and locally. Um, I'm a big fan of sticking to what I know, and so I do a lot of local politics. I do affect some of the national, but when you're an expert at one thing, you really know what you're doing. And so I spend a lot of time trying to figure out what we can do to make a good business climate for businesses and make businesses aware of how to work within the rules that are given to them um, politically because you know we all want to avoid politics we all hate the word politics we don't want to talk politics and, and it's definitely a divisive situation right now but if you put it in perspective um, it doesn't matter how good your business is if the business climate in your state in your country is not conducive to a small business owner you're out of business. It doesn't matter how good your business is. So for me, it's just realizing I started out as a business consultant and um, it was during 2006, 2007 when the economy was going okay. Okay. And we took a tank. And yes. so in the 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, um, we've been struggling. Yeah. No joke. This has been a, a really difficult decade for for businesses and um, it's been my job to champion and be the voice of those that don't know that they should care about certain things and those that can't sh 
share their voice because they're afraid. So I've been that voice for a lot of them. And um, my consulting side, I actually work with elected officials mostly. So I work direct with the elected officials. I go find the right ones that I think are um, ethical, yep. honest. I know you can laugh all you want. Um, but yes, we have some outstanding, amazing political people that are policy driven in our situations right now in all different positions all across this country. Um, they're not all that way, but you find them that are ethical, honest, and have the ability to lead in something. Um, most of them, I try to find business owners, past business owners who are financially successful, so they're not doing it for an income. They're doing it for the right reasons. Um, I call it socially connected. They, they understand their social impact and they understand what they have to do to make things right. And they're open to doing the right thing. So those are the type of clients that I try to go find to run for offices, to take on leadership positions. I go find regular moms and dads who have a passion and a commitment to doing something. Um, you know, you talked about one of your past clients was uh, raped. And um, we dealt with a couple of people like that at the legislature this year under the sex trafficking. That's a yeah. huge piece of what I work with. Um, my heart is there for a reason. You have, um, you have kids trafficked from all over the place. You have women trafficked from all over the place that you would never in your life imagine happening. So several years ago, I got a phone call from one of my elected officials that said, I got a call. I don't know what to do with this. He was um, a candidate at the time and his campaign manager said, I need your help. We have a woman who's been um, brutally abused to the point where unrecognizable by um, someone who was basically holding her as a prisoner and um, basically left her for dead. And we don't know what to do with this because there's like 200 women that are coming forward right now and we can't make this a political issue, which they're right. Um, as much as you and I would probably say, uh, hell no, that is a political issue that needs to be addressed immediately. They were right. And it couldn't become a political issue because then it takes away from what these women need to feel valued and to have their voice heard correctly. So we had to deal with that situation and many others. And um, just shortly after that, I got a phone call from a little girl. My daughter brought her cell phone downstairs and threw her cell phone in front of me and said, Mom, you have to do something. And when you hear those words, you know, every child thinks that, that every mother is the champion or every father is the champion of their lives. And they expect us to perform at that level. So um, one of our neighbors was trafficked at 14 years old, and she was missing for three days by that point. The police had written her off as a runaway, mm -hmm. so they weren't even looking for her um, for three days. I can't stress that enough, for three days. Yeah. And um, she said, you have to fix this. Go help her. And I said, I have no ability to do this whatsoever. So I, you know, I threw it up to my higher God and said, if you really want me to do this, you're going to have to give me every tool possible because I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm certainly not in law enforcement. I, I'm just a mom. And we found her. Um, you know, long story short, it was, a, it was a crazy, crazy collaboration that I couldn't even explain. If it did, you wouldn't believe it. Um, but the efforts were astronomical. The, um, I had every every group and entity you could think of. I had thousands of people walking the streets of a city that we didn't even know she was there and we found her. And it wasn't, it wasn't the average person that found her, it was actually an FBI agent who jumped in to help out on it. So it was insane, the amount of effort that was put into saving that one little girl. Um, fortunately, she, she was attacked a couple of times, some, you know, some things had happened, but 
today she's home. She's healthy. She's mentally sound. Um, she's kicking ass in the world. And she's my hero because we found her, we got her, we brought her home. Her parents were fully engaged in all of this. And it was incredible. I don't, I, I can't take any credit for it. I did nothing. All I did was connect a bunch of people and say, somebody go do something. And I just kept um, ankle biting, <laughs> pushing every one of them to do something until they all did something that worked. And, um, and she's good today. And there's thousands, thousands of kids that are wishing they found somebody who would fight the way that community did for her. So those are the stupid little things that we do when it's politics, except politics actually makes things happen often. Um, so you just leverage what you've got as a strength and you put it to work to make a difference in the world today. And that's kind of what I do. So that's only one small piece of it, but small business owners is, is really where it's at. Um, if you can teach a small business owner, one, how to do business effectively, mm -hmm. get all the right answers, help them with the right answers, help them with the right tools, help them with the right strategies to do a good business, then you're helping them stay home and raise their own kids so the rest of the communities can't embed their own ideas and, and ideological issues into them and they can't get trafficked because you're home with them and you're communicating with them and you're working with them. And then I teach parents how to talk to their kids and I teach kids how to talk to your parents. So, you know, it's, it comes back down to realizing that we're all just human and part of what I do is just making sure everybody realizes that communication is the key to everything and we can save the world that way through love, communication, and just, um, if you've got a passion for doing something, you have to take it on as a, as a championship and you have to just go fight for whatever it is. As I was saying, if it's in your face, it's your responsibility. And that's kind of how my business started. Wow. That's actually pretty cool. I mean, that's very cool. <laughs> I think also with new business owners, especially you've mentioned moms a couple of times, and I don't want to make this just about that, but you and I are both moms that have businesses. Right. And <clears throat> I was super motivated to work from home because it allowed me to have a schedule where I could get the kids on the bus and I could meet them when they got home. And mm -hmm. uh, I could right. get up at 4.30 and do a, like three hours of work before anybody was even awake in my house. So I found I was really, really motivated by the flexibility because it gave me the ability to do all these other things. Like you're saying, moms are at home where the corporate world didn't right. allow that, but right. doing something and making money at it doesn't mean that I have any idea how to run a business. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so that that's kind of where you help with things too. And it is very, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of politics in it, whether we know it or not. And you're right. So I live in the state of Nevada, which is one of the top corporate law states um, and taxation. And so I know that I can leverage the benefits of my state to my situation when applicable because I'm in a friendly business environment. And you're right. tr trying to give people that same information and make sure that it continues to be a friendly environment for businesses. Right. Yeah, we've done, as you know, um, in Nevada, you look around and see some of the corporate deals that are out there and, and people have complained about them. But those corporate deals that came through the legislature and through the governor's office have created an incredible economic situation for the state of Nevada right now. We are the fastest growing state in the entire nation for both business development and for housing and for job creation and you name it under the sun, we're, we're knocking every record off because of the efforts that have been put into that. So um, some people will still complain 
and you can't make everybody happy. But if you right. look around, it's a it's a really great atmosphere right now, and we um, we as a whole have to maintain that every small business owner, every home based business person, every everybody who does anything should be following what's happening at the legislature, should be following what's happening in their city government, should be following what's happening in their county. They, you just need to know. And, um, you know, it's hard to find people that you can trust to do that. So I like being that person. Whether you like what I have to say or not, um, I'm pretty honest. <laughs> and I'll just tell you what you need to know, maybe not what you want to know. So well, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah. And the, I mean, it's not good or bad. It just the the politics and the legislation it is and if you don't understand it or know it and i'm not saying that i do um you can't ask for change either right. i don't think that we, we should be able to sit around and complain about something we don't understand nor are we involved in you're sort of at the mercy of allowing it to happen to you so regardless right. of how people feel about it if you're not tapped into it and I, if i'm not tapped into it which i'm not enough then I really don't have any room to complain about it because I've allowed, I've, I've allowed things to happen because I haven't been part of it. And so you're part right. of it. You have, so what, what do you do when you find the small businesses or the small businesses find you <clears throat> kind of connect them with, is it resources or help them understand or, cause I could go off like you need a CPA and <laughs> you, <laughs> you have to file things correctly. And should you be an LLC and what do you take to qualify for a nonprofit? And we're lucky because Nevada silver flu makes it really, e it's so easy in Nevada to incorporate. Right. But if you're not, right. I know from, I worked at a corporate law office for quite a while years back. And if you're not, if you don't look, act and smell like a corporation, then you're not a corporation regardless of what your filing status says. So in what part of that are right. you jumping in and helping? So I, I do a couple different things. Um, I do a lot of business seminars. Mm -hmm. My seminar series is called Success GPS. Um, on one side of it is business startups. Another side is business growth. Another side is um, businesses and the youth, youth leadership. So I do a lot with um, the youth because our youth is our future. And I'm trying to get them into businesses and into how to function within business corporations, et cetera and teaching small business owners how to bring their kids into their business and, mm. and use them wisely and teach them what they need to know. So my entire series is called Success GPS. So all my stuff is out there and people can find it. But um, inside those, that's where all of our stuff that we work on, um, you know, we'll have like a one day seminar on what you need to do to business startup. I've worked with the SDDC across the country. Um, there's a lot of small business development experts that work within the small business development centers, which is usually sponsored by universities. Um, like in California, it's actually not. It's, it's, it's held in within the Metro Chamber. And so I've worked with them. I've worked all across the area. I, I bring resources to these small business owners. I bring small business owners to the resources. Um, a lot of times when it comes to a law that's going to change, we'll bring small business owners into the building of the legislature to come and share their, you know, their raw opinions. Um, you name it. We do, it, it sounds strange, but really I just kind of do what I know at the moment needs to be done. There's no cookie cutter program. I wish there was, but this is, you know, every human has their own DNA and every small business has their own DNA and every climate across this country is different. So you really have to just, figure out what they need. So these seminars help because when somebody comes in, 
you, you give them, you know, a 30 minute or an hour consult after the event to sit down with them and figure out exactly what they need. And fortunately, I, I run with a whole lot of really smart people from all different walks of life. You know, I wrote my first book with Jack Canfield. Um, my second one was another publisher who's just phenomenal with Hawaii Ray Publishing. And she, um, that book was called Launch. And all of these different experts from all different walks of life I've brought together for all kinds of different purposes. And, and so I have a, a wide variety of um, consultants that I can draw from for any one of these people that needs something. So whether it's digital marketing, that, that's a simple thing that I teach regularly. The mo every small business owner needs to know how to market digitally. You do a great job, obviously your podcast. Oh, thanks, because I feel like I suck. <laughs> Well, everybody's got their strengths, but this is definitely right. one of yours and you got your niche. I mean, the, the naked truth is like so awesome, but there's, there's a lot that people can do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put it in perspective. If you teach a small business owner how to market their own stuff online, you make them start sharing their own voice, making sure that it's branded the way their customers know they speak, talk, walk, feel, think, and run their business. So it makes it more personal to them. And then on top of that, you're saving them from going out to pay some Yahoo consultant to do their social media posting or whatever else they're doing. And I hope I'm not offending anybody, but it is what it is. When you make a small business owner be their own voice, that first impression stays who they are. They started their business just like you did out of a passion for doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they have some form of expertise to do it. If not, they wouldn't have had the passion to do it. And so if you keep it within that realm and they're sharing from their own level of expertise, then it's a much better situation than paying somebody to do your posting or paying somebody to do your website for you. Right. If they know how to do it themselves, they know how to update their own content. If they know how to do their own blogging and they're writing their own content, it is much more real. Now, do you need somebody to go back and rewrite it and fix it or do something like that? Yeah, most people do. But when you're doing it, you're, you're creating your own content and you're putting it out there. Your business is being ran by you still. You're still the face of your company. People think that social media is um, an offshoot of your company. It's not. It's the same as when someone walks through your door and mm -hmm. it's that first smile. It's that first impression of you. So that's the most critical piece. And yet they're hiring kids or they're hiring, you know, some company in another country to be your voice and your face of your company in the most critical situation that you can think of. I mean, you and I would be one-to-one. -one. You walk through my door, you're going to know who I am. You're going to get my mm -hmm. smile. I'm going to greet you. I'm going to talk to you. But right now they're hiring people that are complete strangers, don't know anything about your company and are just yeah. literally cooks cut or posting in a social media hub of some kind. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous and it's hurting the small business owner. So these small business owners are paying somebody who says they're an expert, but no one's an expert like your own company. And, you know, I do the same thing with my elected officials. They post their own stuff. All of them do, by the way. They all do their own social media. Why? Because at the end of the day, they've got to be responsible for whatever was said to that other person. Yep. So if we teach people that and we keep it where it needs to be and we, we teach people that this is real and you have to be real, then they're saving money. They're able to spend more time at home because they're saving money. They're not having to struggle and stress about their business. Their business is still running at a high level. They wouldn't be in business and doing things if they didn't have that um, level of commitment to whatever it is they're doing. So 
teach them what they need to know, teach them the importance of the critical items that will keep them in business, and let them keep their money in their kids' education or in their pockets so they can go on vacations with their kids, or they can take some extra time off to be with their kids and teach the next generation what they're doing. So again, you're teaching, constantly just staying focused on the family. And I think it's a huge piece that's missing today. You also, I do too, um, because we want to be authentic, but there's all these formulas and you don't get the formulas and how you do stuff and what you're supposed to plug in where and where you get more engagement. I know I've told people, I'm like, should I add Twitter and should I, no, like stick with what are you using? What are you comfortable with? Then you can stick with that. Like stay true to who you are and your message. I would think that like in my perspective, you said earlier, bring your own kids on board to your own business. And you're teaching a myriad mm-hmm. of things in that way. You're teaching them to think for themselves and be entrepreneurs and run a business. So there's all of that. But also if I were to hire out something and it was the posting, it would be one of my kids because they knew me and the business and what I was doing. And so it would actually be pretty right. authentic. Right. So I would yeah. think it for several reasons you would want to bring in your own kids. My kids have worked with me since they were three and five years old. They were first on the legislative floor at three and five years old, working with me, walking districts, stuffing envelopes, putting on um, flyers on tables, um, reading bills. Um, I, I had my kids sit with me in the galley often, and we would watch the bills scroll through. And I would make them on a piece of paper write down what they, how they would have voted based on the testimonies that they were given that day. And it made them start thinking for themselves. Yep. And I wouldn't, so they would want to talk to me about it. They would want to ask questions. And I said, no, I do not want to give you my opinion. Mm -hmm. I want you to form your own opinion. I want you to keep your answers to yourself. Do not share them with anybody until it's all said and done. And then afterwards, we can sit down and talk about it. And I would give them a respectful space to talk about whatever it was. And oftentimes, they voted different than I was. So Mm -hmm. I was glad that I opened their brains up to think for themselves. And then we got to talk through what they didn't know. Or they got to talk to me about why they would have voted the way they did. And it was kind of cool to learn that. I mean, it's fascinating to let a child just roll. And I will tell you, most of the time they voted the way I would, because if you leave a child's brain alone, they really do just live in a space of truth mm-hmm. and of justice, social justice. And it's a beautiful thing when you start teaching them that their thoughts were correct and, and mommy didn't teach them what their thoughts were. And um, these, this next generation of kids, the, the Gen X that's coming out, they're... Um, some of the most incredible human beings I've ever experienced. And I'm not talking about just my kids. I'm talking about this whole generation. Every one of the kids that, that come to my house that are at the high school, that are at the college, that are under the age of, I think it's like 23 to mm-hmm. 22 down, depending on their mentality, unbelievable human beings. And these kids get it. They got the worth ethic. They've got the social justice concept. They've got communication skills. They've got a heart of gold. They're doing really well. If they're just left alone from childhood, they're going to come out incredible. If they're manipulated, um, which is happening right now in our, in our political climate all over the place, you have people trying to convince kids to do walkouts, which 
I don't know if you guys are forward or not. So here's your moment of naked truth with somebody you might not like. This is the that moment. Um, I absolutely disagree with teaching kids to walk out of school for any reason under God's green earth. If you're teaching them to walk out on themselves, to walk out on their education, to walk out on their opportunities to better themselves, I think that's a huge disservice. And I don't care what the what the reason is. Teach your kids to voice their opinions outside of the school, outside of their work. If they are at work, they're getting paid to do a job, and that's what they're there for. They are serving themselves, making sure they have a solid income, and doing what I and at school, same thing. They're going to school to learn that day, to stay focused on themselves, on bettering themselves, on growing, on becoming a better human being. Do not distract them from being a better human being or by securing their own oxygen mask. Don't distract them from that. Give them a different platform outside of those hours to do what they need to do. But these school walkouts are teaching kids to walk out on themselves I agree. and on their future and on their abilities. I'm totally so, against it. You know, there's my... <laughs> no, yeah, I, it, I agree with you. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. I don't care what side. It doesn't uh -uh. matter. No. You're teaching that child to walk out on themselves. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And even and if they're it's doing a, it for political gain. And even if it if they're walking out of school and it happens to be about education, it's still not the correct form right. to do it in. It's not right. it's not there the correct a, form there to is do a, it. In. There's an entire world wide web that can be used in the most incredible ways possible. Twenty-four hours a day. It does not need to be done during those six hours that you're at school trying to better yourself. No, and you're hurting yourself and you're hurting the people that are actually showing up to suiting up and showing up to be there, your teachers, your administration. Right. It, it, it really doesn't matter yeah. what side of the fence you're on. And it devalues all the relationships. Everything. It brings in, so teachers by law are not allowed to share their political beliefs, but they all do it. And, and kids by law are not really allowed to do that either. So it's supposed to be a safe place for all of them to go in and learn and just be head down focused. The minute you start bringing in divisive things, um, you create a divide where they don't trust each other anymore. They don't like each other. They find reasons to disagree. That's not the way education is supposed to be. Education is supposed to be a warm, loving, supportive place where everybody can come in as individual, unique people with unique beliefs, unique everything, unique backgrounds. You name it, come in and be as diverse as you want to be. But you get to be there in a zone focused on you and focused on learning and focused on creating community so that you all can work together, learn to create community, learn to work together as teams and to grow and become better human beings. So you wanna bring in divisive things and make people not trust each other not like each other and focus on chaos. Your amygdala gets overridden in your brain or overrides your brain, sorry. And, and you can't think any longer. Your brain doesn't open up and expand to learn what you're there to learn because you're so focused on anger and frustration and fear that you can't, you can't bring in what you're supposed to do there in the first place. I don't know what they're doing. I don't understand why, but that's what's happening. And I wish we would stop doing that. If, if there was anything, if I could throw a magic wish out there, that would be the one thing is just, if you're going to send your kids to school, if you're going to educate your own kids, leave their brains alone to do what they are there to do, which is to grow and strengthen and become amazing and just let them do that. So let's go back and figure out how in the world <laughs> did you get here? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So that's a great question. Um, as a, let's see, when I was a young adult, 
I was hungry. I came from very humble beginnings, um, very difficult beginnings. And um, I would say that early on, I knew I was not going to be in that financial situation ever again, nor was I going to let anybody in the world control me or tell me what to do or any of that, because that was my upbringing was um, not such a great atmosphere. And I always knew I had to make money in order to stand on my own two feet. That was always the focus back in my day and age. And so I think I always knew I was looking to make a lot of money. So even when I was in high school, I was looking at different careers that made a lot of money, not necessarily what my passion was. In fact, I will share this. Um, I did a talk one year and, and I kept hearing everybody say, oh, my dream was to this. And everybody told me I couldn't do it. And I was listening like six different speakers before me. And each time I would think, what was it that I dreamed of doing as an adult? And I finally came to the conclusion that as a child, I didn't know that I could dream. I, I didn't know what a dream was. I didn't understand that you could say, I want to be a doctor and go become a doctor. Like that, that was never, I never had that awareness. All I ever knew was I had to go get a job. I had to make money and I had to raise a family. That, that's all I ever knew. So this whole concept of dreaming or having some big scheme in life of what I'm going to go grow up to do didn't exist. So I started with a place of looking around. My uncle um, was the most financially secure out of all of us um, when I got older. And I sort of just followed in his footsteps because if you don't know what you're doing, find somebody who looks like what you want to look like and go figure out what they're doing. That's kind of my concept. So I got into, um, I started working at 12 years old because I didn't want to ask my parents for money and I, I needed things like, you know, school clothes and shoes and wanted to have some extra spending money. And by the time I was 16, I realized that sales positions made more money. So you made your hourly wage and um, I figured out these things called bonuses. And I started, um, it was awesome. I was like, wait a minute, I make how much per hour and you're going to double that if I set an appointment for somebody to sell something. And if I, if they sell it, I get another bonus. Well, I like that. So I figured out how to be really effective early on. And um, so I was making like three times my, my hourly rate as a 16 year old, 17 year old kid. And it was all just figuring out by accident that, you know, it, the more successful you are in your communication style and your communication skills, the better you were going to do financially. So um, I was in a hurry. I moved out on my own at 17. Mm -hmm. um, I had my own apartment, got my own stuff. I was determined to stand on my own two feet as fast as I could. And throughout my career of, or career changes, I should say, I just focused on how do I make more money? because I didn't know anything else. I, I still at this point had not even figured out what a dream was. Um, it never occurred to me that I could laugh and smile and just be happy being me. I knew as soon as I made that money, I would be happy. So I got into um, a casino and I grew up from being a cocktail waitress, bartender into a casino executive. And I did that all ethically. I will point that out. because You know, I just happened to be a blonde female. Yeah, and, no kidding. Um, <laughs> I'll just say this. It's your show. I can say it. I, yeah. I think I'm one of the few females in the world that, that did it without laying down on the casting couch. How's that? Yep. Um, but it almost killed me doing it that way. So I don't recommend that the weak try that. Um, it's so much easier to just lose your ethics for a little while and do what you need to do. You did not hear that from me, but 
the route that I took um, at the age of 32, I was on the operating table and, and my doctor told me, kiss my kids that I might not make it. 32 years old with a 10 month old baby and a three year old son um, isn't the way to go. And, and that's because I worked myself almost to death. So my naked truth for everybody is this really cool, like laid back woman who's here to champion the world and, and be this great person um, made some huge mistakes. And it was called becoming a workaholic. And I was highly stressed, highly motivated to make sure that I had enough money to raise my kids. And I was, you know, you get a taste of power in the casinos and, and any corporation. And, you know, they would go, God, you did such a great job with that. We're going to give you this responsibility and this responsibility and this responsibility. And you're like, yeah, give it to me because I grew up in humble beginnings. So it was, it was an honor to take on those kind of things. And at some point in your life, you have to realize that you can't take everything on. You can't control everything. You can't run everything and, um, and rest. I'm not joking on this. Sleep is the number one killer. If you do not eat well and do not sleep, you will not make it. Um, that's what almost took my life was lack of sleep and huge amounts of stress. So why were I you getting operated on? What was the stress. operation? My female body had decided it was all done with me. And um, I had several different things tormenting me all at the same time. So they thought I had cancer. Mm-hmm. And the doctor that thought I had cancer opened me up and he couldn't operate because he wasn't that type of doctor. So they called in another surgical group to come and do the surgery and they said, sew her up. She's a risk. We're not touching her. Send her home. So um, 30 days later, I was on bed rest for 30 days. 30 days later, I went back and had a surgery and it ended up just being my like one simple surgery, which was great. And I live obviously to tell about it. And it's just a nice wake up call for me. So that year, um, I wrote this in my chapter with Jack Canfield's book, The Road to Success. But um, that year I decided that I had done enough damage being a casino executive in the world. Um, It's not always the most, it was a beautiful, glamorous, fun job. I loved it. I loved the daily, um, the daily praise, the daily thanks. Everybody loved you unless they didn't love you. Um, it was fun. You met all the superstars that came into town. You met all the VIPs. You did all the fun stuff. I mean, I stayed the night on one of the casino owners' yachts. My husband and I did at the time. And we got to sleep in, in like the owner's quarters. And, you know, those kind of fun stuff, you get some really cool benefits to it. It's an, it's an incredible career. I learned more than I could have ever learned in any other industry in that industry. So it was amazing. And I use it still today. I use a lot of that knowledge and wisdom today. But it was a very difficult place for a single mom and um, somebody who, sorry about that, but somebody who was determined to make things happen. Um, the harder I worked, the more money I made, the mm-hmm. more effective I was, the more money I made. And that was just the way that was my brain. So when I was in my thirties, I hit a reset button and I looked around a room and I went, every conversation I have is for business purposes. I don't have just, general calm conversations where I'm just enjoying the talk and it's about absolutely nothing other than what I'm attached to for financial gain of some kind. And I realized that that was a really sad place to be. I mean, what a lonely world I was in, but I didn't even realize that I had thousands of friends that were all my, you know, guests that came in, but I didn't realize that I didn't have, like, I had missed my high school friends. I missed my elementary school friends. I would keep up with them. 
but I didn't hang out with them because we had completely different schedules. Every holiday, I was at work for full double shifts. You don't get those days off. Every weekend, I was working double shifts where everybody else was off doing things. So, you know, you don't realize how lonely that world can be. And I started looking around and I said, that's it. Within a year from today, I'm going to hit a reset button. And I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to do my own thing. And my entire life, except my house, my kids, and my car is gone. All of it. And within one year and one day, I had done that. So I started my business thinking I would be a business coach, business consultant, teaching people how to do what I just did, or an executive coach teaching executives how to get out of there, get out of the rat race, and not put themselves in medical jeopardy like I did myself. And of course, that was in 06, 07. Um, oh my gosh. By 09. <laughs> by 09. It was a whole different world. I was doing corporate turnaround work and jumping into politics, trying to save small businesses. And so, you know, people say, oh, did you mean to do this? Heck no, I didn't. And it can, anything to do with politics back then, I can tell you I had no idea what politics was, wanted nothing to do with it, had no idea that I would ever be doing what I'm doing today. So it was not on purpose. This was no great scheme that I had. I had no strategic plan that said someday you're going to be speaking on stages and, and working with politicians and teaching people how to save their business. Nobody ever told me that. I did, um, so somebody asked me once, how did you get where you are today? Well, literally by the guidance, that, and I would say grace of God, but it was actually by his force because I was hard-headed mm -hmm. and every time <laughs> I didn't do what I was supposed to, I kind of got hit upside the head. So um, where I'm at today is, is I know I'm on the right track. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing the work that I'm here to do, but it wasn't by any scheme of a plan. I had no idea. And um, I got into all of this literally through force. I, I would, something would come up and you heard me say it earlier. If it's in your face, mm -hmm. that means it's your responsibility. You can't duck responsibilities. If you're, if you're a person of, of integrity, you have to do what, what comes to you. You had a vision of what you needed to do and you've been doing it and you're doing it really well. I kept getting several visions and I kept saying, none of this makes sense to me. How in the world do you do both sides of the business? And then as I moved into student leadership, I started realizing all of this is combined. All my, my purpose is to make sure that, that we grow and sustain something that's healthy and positive. And whether it's my community impact stuff that I do, um, I do a lot of social impact stuff whether it's my, my students when I'm talking to the kids or I'm doing leadership programs for them, whether I'm working with a small business owner and I'm reminding them of how important their kids are, more important to schedule time with your kids than it is to you know, schedule time with a, a new high-end client. I don't care. You need to value time with your kids at that high of a level. And I actually, because in the beginning of my world, I literally calendared time to go read to my kids. I, I wish you didn't have to say that to people, but there isn't a single parent out there that doesn't have to do something like that. It's not easy to, to turn your phone off, to turn the TV off, to turn everything off and go sit down, cuddle with your child at, mm -hmm. at every age. My kids are, you know, almost adults, 16 and 18 now. And I will tell you still today, the TV is off when I'm home. There is nothing going on in this house besides communication and collaboration and working together and talking to each other, playing together, cooking together, doing things that are together because we only have 24 hours a day and you only have a certain amount of years that those kids are in your house and under mm -hmm. your control and, and in your world. Your number one job is to value them at the highest level you can and, and they will value you at that level if you give them the same respect. So. Yeah. 
I you know, agree. It, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, that's who I am. And I know it all just comes together. And for whatever reason, it just works. It works together. And um, it, it leaves me feeling like a, a life full of passion and purpose. And I have no idea what I'll do next, but I can tell you, um, I have, I have some really cool things going on. I'm helping out with a new media source that's going to be rolling out in like the next couple months. You're going to see that come out. And, and, and just because you saw the light in my face, come on, you're mm-hmm. going to know that it was the same one. Um, it's going to change the face of news as we know it. And I think to the positive effect. Um, there's some, some movies out right now that have been out for a couple months now that are out targeting students to say, my God, think for yourself. Mm-hmm. Quit letting people brainwash you. Go figure out stuff on your own. Do not let your teachers, your media, don't let anybody tell you what to think. Your gut tells you what you need to know. It, you might not know everything, might not know the facts, but your gut tells you what's right and wrong. Trust that gut instinct and, and just don't let people brainwash you into thinking something that you shouldn't think. You were raised to be an, a unique individual, different than everybody else. You're not supposed to be pigeonholed into one thing. We all have a completely different genetic makeup. I wish we could go back to a day and age where, like when I grew up, it was, I am lovable and capable. That's what we used to teach the kids, or that's what I used to be taught when I was in school. I am lovable and capable no matter who I am, what I do, what I look like, or, or what I think. I wish we could get back to that place where mm. everybody understood we are all so different. The freakier you are, sometimes the better. Like you need to be different. You don't want to look the same as somebody. And you don't want somebody to treat you the same. You want adversity because that's how people grow. You want people to think different. You want different ends of the spectrum to come together and have a good um, debate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to argue and you don't want to disrespect. Right. But but the only way we're going to think different or we're going to learn anything is if we stop talking to everybody who thinks the same way we do. Mm-hmm. You've got to realize and respect that everybody's different and we've got to like, that's my, these are the things that if I, if I could do anything, that's where I want to stay focused is every parent's different. Every kid is different. Yep. Every, every student's different. Every worker's different. Every business is different. Let's all just celebrate the uniqueness of who we are and just be there. And you don't have to, nobody has to like you for being unique. In fact, I will tell you, if people don't like you, it means you're making a difference in the world. (laughs) I always heard like, once you've got some haters, you know that you're starting (laughs) to get successful. And I remember like getting the first like hate message and being like, "Ah, I've arrived. This is great. I I can imagine your hate messages. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well. There, there's a you're few. You're strong, you're attractive, and you're sharing the naked truth. All naked. right. I think it's insane. But it, it is. Works. I love it. it. It is. And I had a big family, and that was, there's always conversation about people. Here's the thing that I've tried to teach my kids it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are, people are mm. going to find a problem with it. You're too tall, you're too short, you're too thin, you're too fat, your boobs are too big, they're too small. It does not <laughs> matter. And so you might as well embrace the person that you are and your uniqueness. And instead of trying to cram yourself into this box, just get rid of the box. And it's the best thing you could ever do is just realize that, yeah, you know, you are too tall and too short at the same time and that you're totally cool with that. So yeah, 
it's crazy how hard people try to be the same or have the same highlight reel or the comparison game. I do like what you said about scheduling reading a book. Dinner for me was huge with the kids growing up. I wanted, when they were little, it was like I needed to give them 30 to 60 minutes to sit down. And my oldest daughter's 27, so I we didn't have the internet back then. There wasn't as much vying for attention. But as a parent of young kids, there was laundry and there were dishes and there, there was just nice. stuff to do, even when I was a stay-at-home mom. And it took discipline on my part to just sit my butt down in that chair at dinner time and give them 30 to 60 minutes. Really, really, we did fun games and stuff. Dinner was a very interactive, really fun thing. And I'm glad. And as they got older and then technology came into play, they needed to give me that same thing. And I remember when we had a few teenagers in the house and I was like, you know what? I spent years not excited every single day about giving you this time, but knowing that you were important <laughs> right. enough to me, I right. value you enough as my child that even though I had stuff I would rather be doing, you were the priority at that moment. And I gave you that time every single day. And now, out of respect to me, you're going to give it back. Now you need to set right. things. There's no phone at the, t you know, there's no technology. There's no interruptions. Yeah. You have to give that to me now. And I get it because I'd rather be tweeting yeah. also. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, I think you have to just be real with it, but also decide that there are priorities. And it's really, really hard in a world of distractions to decide that that's a priority you're going to stick with. And I don't care if you have to schedule it. I'm totally cool scheduling everything. Because yeah. if it's not there, it's the chance of it happening or lower. So I loved that. So you came from now, big question. It's almost like for me, it's the elephant in the room. You wanted to keep your house, your car, and your kids, like clearly your kids, but like those were your priorities. But you did that yeah. in 06, 07. Now you didn't mm -hmm. know this at the time, but two, 2008 really sucked. And like you said, until yeah. like even 2016, how, how did you do it in that economy? I was here in Nevada during yeah. that whole time. So, I mean, I was even the in number the one worst hit in the nation for foreclosures, the number one worst hit for companies to fold. Yeah. We were the worst state in the entire nation for the economic downfall. Um, people can say it was a recession, but I think you would agree with me that it was truly a depression. It, yeah. it fell hard and it stayed for a very long time. Um, how did I survive? You adapt. Um, I went from, okay, I'm going to be helping people work on success skills and figure out their passions and do these really cool things to, oh shit, oh shit, the world is falling. I'm watching small businesses fail people going and doing two, three jobs to replace their one business that they had. So now we've got our children being in daycare for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. And that was just wrong. Um, I was one of them. Easily I was one there. of them. How did I adjust? Mm -hmm. I worked from home. I, I switched to, I went home. I started working from home. I had a, a nice five bedroom house. By that point, I had, I'd worked very hard. So when I retired from the gaming industry, um, I was comfortable. I was by no means retiring for financial gain. I, I retired for my health purposes. Um, but I had a, a nice home. So I, I built an office in my home. Mm -hmm. I um, went to join a couple different organizations that I knew 
I could be in service to them. And I believed the more I served, the more people I served, and the more of me I gave in a raw form and fashion, that I would be okay. And I would tell you, I, I gave it to God. And I don't know, I don't care who believers or not, but I gave it to God and just said, I'm going to give everything I've got to help everybody I can. And I'm just asking you to get my back. And um, I swear that's how I got through it all. It was not easy. Um, mm -hmm. There were a lot of years that it was incredibly difficult. And I will say this, um, I did this with no child support from my ex-husband ever. We've never had child support exchanged, no support financially. Every once in a while, he'd throw a little bit of money my way. Um, and I mean a little bit to the kids and say, don't give it to your mom. Um, I am not a male hater. I will tell you, I'm actually a huge supporter of men. It was just who we were as a, as a partnership. It just didn't work out. Um, but I can tell you, we survived by the grace of God. But it truly wasn't like I turned my hands near some kind of believer like, oh, he'll just take care of me. Because believe me, he didn't take care of a lot of people. Yeah. But I did say, I will do my part and I will give everything I've got to whoever comes in my, in my sphere that needs my help. And all I ask is that the energy, the universe gets my back because I'm going to go out and be the champion that I know I need to be. I know I'm capable of it. I know I've got the passion for it. And for some reason, I have a voice that people listen to. So because of that, I just need, I need somebody to watch me and I'll go take care of what I can. And so I, I developed the um, yes, I can mentality. Instead of saying, no, I can't do this, I learned to say yes to pretty much everything that came my direction. Somebody would say, I need help with digital marketing. And I'd go, well, I know how to do email marketing. Um, let me figure it out. And so I learned all of the digital platforms. And then I started teaching them because nobody knows digital platforms. And then I had people say, I need to learn how to incorporate. So I started doing that. And then I had people that needed to start the business and figure out how to bootstrap it because there were no business loans out there. So mm -hmm. I, I started learning what people needed to know. So it was like an MBA times 10 on speed dial because I had to do these things in a matter of minutes. I mean, we, we joked about it. Like I would go to these seminars that I would put on. And afterwards, it was like speed dating a business coach. People would come up to me and be like, I can't afford to pay you, but this is what I need. And I would have to roll through my memory bank of who do I know that could get this, that could do this, and, and get people what they needed right on the spot. So it wasn't easy. And I couldn't really tell you there was some kind of aha moment. But I will tell you, if you're in a bad spot, uh, whether you're emotionally unstable, you're physically unstable, you're financially unstable, if you dedicate whatever gifts you have to being in service for that gift. Um, the universe just has ways of making sure that you've got what you need so you can serve. And I truly believe that that's the number one way that I got through this. Um, the other is every day I looked at my kids and I made them a promise that it wasn't going to be this way always. And, um, and that's kind of how we did it. So I started with business coaching thinking I was helping executives get out of the executive rat race and save their lives and go do a life of passion to business consulting, trying to teach businesses how to stay open instead of closing and giving up on themselves, teaching them how to downsize, how to do a corporate turnaround, how to turn their company around and become profitable so they can stay in business, how to bring their kids in and start working for them versus some of the other employees. Sometimes you have to do the tough things. And then um, and then it turned into, okay, so it doesn't matter what we do, if the political climate buckles one little tiny inch, 
we're going to lose what's left of this state. And, and the next step was, okay, I got to go figure this whole political thing out. And I'll be honest, it actually was a national political issue that got me involved with politics. Okay. And it was something that made me mad. It was a bill, um, Charlie Rangel from New York had for several years, over a decade, put in the same bill in my mind. So again, somebody that likes him is probably going to be offended, but it was a bill to basically draft the youth of today. Um, now he's a Democrat. That doesn't mean anything. Um, because I'm sure both sides do whatever, but he put in a bill that they called it the draft, the mandatory draft. They were going to draft kids between the ages of 18 and 35 at the time to go serve the government at the government's discretion. And those were the words that terrified me. I said, oh my gosh, that means we, our, our youth can now be like in place to do whatever the government wants. Now that sounds stupid. And some people will be like, well, that sounds like a great idea. And at the time the veterans were like, that's good. These young punks need to be drafted like we were in the And you're like, whoa, whoa, we have a voluntary military support that is proud of what they do. And we're proud of our military. You go forcing kids to serve. Yeah. And then I found that it wasn't at the military. They weren't talking about military. The words were at the government's discretion. So there was no one that could opt out. There was no way to opt out. So even if you were a single mom who just gave birth to a baby and you got called into service, you were going. And I was like, oh, gosh, this cannot be happening. So that's what got me off the couch and mm -hmm. into action of trying to figure out politics. It never did come to fruition. But it was, it was introduced in several different forms for several different years. I, mean, I think it was like 13 or 15 years, maybe longer, that it was introduced every single year at different different directions, different statements. And I was like, what, what is wrong with this guy? But he was determined to get it passed. Thank God the rest of the world didn't think it was a good idea. Um, but that's what got me active was just, oh my gosh, you can't do this. And then after that, you start looking at some of the other bills and you're like, well, you can't do that either. You can't do that. You can't do that. What's wrong with these people? They don't understand what the average person's dealing with every day. And then I started thinking, maybe it's the average person who doesn't understand what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you see me do this a lot. I point at myself often because it really does start here of having accountability for whatever's going on, whatever you're thinking, you've got to be accountable to yourself and to your world. And so the more I judged something, the more I was curious about it and I just wanted to go figure it out. So that's how it morphed into the political side, but it's always stayed focused on how do we make things better? How do we help grow things and make things better and, and a better atmosphere and, and more positive people? So today, you know, the Success GPS tools and the seminars and the stuff that I do is all about how do I just make this world a better place to be? What, let's wrap up on what advice you'd give someone. I would think, especially like the mom at home, because we were both in that situation and it, it's really hard to be the mom yeah. who wants to, that was, I went from a stay at home yeah. mom to a working mom and did the three jobs cause you had to, and then right. had to transition back. So what would you tell them about finding their passion and doing it from home and trying to monetize their experience? And what, what are your words of wisdom? I know it's yeah. a big one. Yeah. There might not be a, a right answer. Cutter? No, there's no, no I no, know that there's there no cookie. one right answer. And I know, you know, the same answer. If you, this was one of the best, um, pieces of advice I got from one of my mentors when I probably in like 2009 um, 
I was studying the laws of success and, and deeply studying it because I was like, I have got to figure something out to give these people an edge and to give me an edge. I was in a bad place at that time. Um, and one of the one of the mentors had said two things that were profound to me. So maybe this is the best advice I can give. It seems to be what I'm called to say. So um, one was, it's not selfish of you to want to go do whatever it is your passion, your 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 inner calling is pushing you to do. It's not selfish. You need to value it, you need to respect it, and you need to drive it because that thing inside of you comes from two pieces of that advice. The first is if if the path was not already open to you to do it, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't have the desire. So if you have the desire, you need to understand that the path is there. You just have to go find the yes, which means you could get through 10,000 no's first, right? That doesn't mm-hmm. mean give up on the first five no's or any of that. If that, if your passion is real, it's not clouded by medications or alcohol or, or craziness or whatever else. If that passion inside you is white hot burning and it's telling you you have to do this, then if it's in your face, it's your responsibility. You have to do it. The path is already there. Just go find the path. On the other side, people shame women and men. I'm going to be really clear. Like any, any business owner gets shamed for whatever it is they want to do, whether it's a home-based business, whether it's a multi-level marketing business, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, multi-corporation, I don't care what it is. We all get shamed by somebody we know. Somebody we know thinks that we're stupid, that we don't know what we're doing, that we're not capable, we're not qualified, we're not ready to do this, we shouldn't be doing it. How selfish are we to be doing something like this in this time of our lives, right? I hear it all the time. It's not selfish. If the desire is there, it's yours, go get it. The second thing is, the only part that would be selfish about that is if you forced somebody else to do it with you that didn't want to do it. So if it's yours, own it, own the responsibility, and make it happen. The, the most important thing I can tell you is it takes the most amount of combustion to get a plane off the air, to get a rocket ship up into the air from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So you've got to give it everything you've got at the very beginning and, and push as hard as you can and go find the yes to start your business. And then don't forget why you did it and, and hold that passion inside of you every day when you go to work every day. And it's difficult. Don't give up because your path is there for a reason. You are here to contribute to humanity or to this world in some way, shape, or form. Every one of us is. And that desire that's inside of you is as unique as your DNA. It's your responsibility as a human brought here to do whatever you're doing to fulfill what that feeling is. I didn't even know what that was when I was a kid. I'm telling you, I didn't learn that whole dreaming thing until I was late into my 30s. So if I can say anything, if it's there, go get it, make it happen and stop letting people tell you you're selfish, tell them telling you you're wrong. Just ignore them and go focus on people who have already done what you want to do or doing something similar to what you're doing. Just make it happen because it's yours. And I'd add to that. Once the haters show up, the people shaming you, you know, you're on the right track. Jennifer, oh, yeah, thank you so much. You're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Once people start telling you it's a bad idea, you're like, ah, I'm onto something that, I mean, really that is when you're like, huh, I need to look at this a little bit more deeply and push forward. So 
thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing. And um, we'll make sure when we see you, we don't, when you say, oh, I help with political consulting, <laughs> we don't run the other way. Because it's, it's like, there's Jennifer. Because um, it's, I mean, you're doing an amazing thing for small businesses. And I love the steps in your story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a blessed day.